0: Welcome everybody, episode 39, Good Life Housing Partners. We are coming to you on a post-memorial day of start of June. Uh, Things are looking very good out there. I just came back from Miami. I'm looking quite tanned. I really enjoyed the freedom that a One Florida gives a person that is of uh, good health and conscious and uh, of some resources. Uh, So I really enjoyed my trip. And uh, as I come back to you, Californians, I look around with all your masks on and just constantly sanitizing everything. I never thought more of it to be more foolish than now. So, uh, well, folks, here I am. I'm back. David Fong, where do you find
1: yourself in all this foolishness? Uh, I'm good. Welcome back, first of all. I'm glad to have you back. Thank <laughs> See, you. you. You didn't uh, permanently relocate to I was Miami. close. It was close. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm good. It's post-Memorial Day. Uh, Debriefing. Uh, yes. It was a nice Memorial Day, I went to a couple of restaurants, dined place. in in a few places. Yeah, well, um, interesting some places were enforcing, not mass uh, restrictions, but they some were enforcing uh, capacity limits, but then there was a fair amount of places that were not. So it was interesting to see sort of the, the mix you know, depending on different retailers. But uh, very nice, relaxing time here, and uh, more traffic. I've noticed also at the airports. I don't know how your airport experience was, but uh, you know there was a lot more traffic on the road. So I, I do see us, you know, continuing down the path of uh, back to normalcy.
0: Yeah, uh, my airport experience was was I'd say it was good. We traveled on some on some like lighter travel days. We traveled on a Wednesday. To get there, we came back on a Saturday, so we didn't mess with the Sunday, Monday, Memorial Day riffraff. So I think we we didn't get, like, the full uh, travel view. I think ours was a little bit different, but uh, I'd say overall it was good. One thing that really did shine a light was, like, Miami, because it's become known as such an open place and was already such a big tourism destination, um, you definitely get a lot of folks there that are, are new to the whole traveling by Avion, by airplane, um, it's it's definitely new for a lot of folks. I saw a lot of folks that just, you know, traveling by airplane is not their regular mode of transportation. They're just new to the whole idea of getting on a plane, you know, bringing a lot of stuff on board, pillows, fuzzy slippers, um, just, you know, a- overall airplane etiquette was uh, was to be missed by, by some of the folks that what, were on
1: what? Was there any conflicts? I I've I read there's been some I, upsurge I of conflicts. Yeah, I know. I've heard that. Well, they're not serving the, the drinks
0: in the in the uh, in the you know in the in the economy class. That probably probably helps things a little bit. But yeah, no, there wasn't any conflicts. There was a delay um, out of Miami because there was a computer malfunction. But it was remarkable that they were able to get like a brand new plane, the same plane, everything, and like literally shift the whole plane, which is like probably three four hundred passengers, onto this new plane, and was did it in a matter of maybe an hour and a half and and but i, well, I was telling i was literally telling my seat person this i was like this, this is remarkable i mean if you as you know sucks we're delayed here but it's remarkable they it will shift everything so quickly and then just as i was saying that like a group of ladies came on they're like oh my god I, can, I hope this plane takes off i was like you have no idea like this is normally when this happens you're normally delayed here for like at least a day like <laughs> like you might be delayed till like 10 o'clock at night not two two hours not like two hours would be like eight hour delay so there's still, like, I think a lot of people, um, there's really two functions of people. One, the people that are, like, you know, like our family, wanting to travel, ready to get back out there. And then there's this new group of people that really haven't traveled before, or by plane at least, and, and are, like, seeing the world for the first time and, like, oh, my God, there's, like, all these things. That, so it's, just, it's interesting. I, mean, I don't think we've seen that as a country
1: before. Now that's, that's amazing that they, you're able to just make that transition quickly. You're right. You know, as you mentioned it, I start reflecting about pre-life pre-pre pandemic, and I think back about old business trips and flying to Chicago and other cities, where you had oftentimes winter and and plane delays because of the winter storms, and you're right. Yeah, usually it it would be you know, oh, you sorry, you gotta stay overnight and get a new plane tomorrow. There's no planes available or. And I guess maybe because, you know, the, while travel definitely domestically is picked up, I guess maybe there's more supply of planes out there because international travel is still pretty uh, pretty slow at this point.
0: Yeah, it's still slow. I mean, uh, inter- I mean you know, in fact, just to that point, um, like the plane we were on is normally, it goes from like Miami to London or Miami to Madrid. It's really trans- so it's a transatlantic plane, yeah. plane that now they're using for intercontinental inter- routes because it's just, they, they need the capacity and there's, it's a plane that has a lot of you know um upper class seats and stuff like that so I, I and everything was full there was like i think there was a couple seats in economy that were that were open that was it
1: yeah so I that's i, I, I guess like that's consistent with what we keep hearing and you know this was the kickoff of summer the summer travel season summer vacation and everyone's been saying this is going to be a big year for or at least big compared to last year a big year of domestic travel um, but it kind of begs the question, and we, we talked about this a little bit earlier today uh, privately about, you know, when is international travel going to come back and what's going to happen internationally? Because even if, you know, you hear Europe's said they're slowly starting to reopen, but are people really going to go? And, and is, is that experience there? I know at least on my part, we were thinking about traveling to Asia again. We did we did so actually pre-pandemic. Um, I, I went to Hong Kong and... and you know, there weren't any restrictions, but now with all the sort of mandatory quarantines and other restrictions, I you know, I don't think that's that's in my future. <laughs> in my future is I'll, I'll well, see, find a but, domestic. But, but that's
0: interesting. See, you make a great point. Is that, like, it's really not the fear of traveling for eight, ten hours to an international destination. It's really what's going to happen when I get there. Like, it's the quarantine that I, I would not look forward to. Like, if I got to get to London and I got to wait 4 hours to get it. I test negative, and then I go and quarantine for five, six days, and then I start my trip, uh, I mean, I can't, I'm on a three-week trip, two-week trip. Like, I can't spend half of it sitting in a hotel room looking, you know, watching BBC. Yeah. You just can't do it. So so that really is, it's, you're going to see, I think, as the summer wears on, especially as we get into the, you know, the peak of travel season, especially internationally, July, August, where I think there will be a rush for certain countries to open that thing up. and so. Yeah. Really reduce the quarantine or just say, hey, vaccine card, good to go. Because yeah. I just don't know how you do
1: it otherwise. Yeah. Well, those countries, especially countries that rely a lot on tourism yeah. dollars, that they're going to be hard hit. I mean, it'll be, especially if you, if uh, they, stay you know, they lost it last year from you know, all those dollars mm-hmm. and now yeah. to lose it in another s- travel season, peak season, is, is going to be pretty tough.
0: It's got to be tough, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine what like London, like inner London looks like where it's really so tourism bent. Like you can't imagine what that looks like today especially just like a week or two after reopening a lot of those places. I mean, I've got to imagine it looks like here yeah. where most things are still closed yeah. and figuring themselves out.
1: Yeah. And I know in Asia, same, same thing. Like I, I've heard some stories about you got a quarantine for two to three weeks. And I mean, you know, oftentimes you're going there for three weeks. So like yeah. basically your trip is done. And like you said, you know not just go there just to yeah. stay in a hotel to watch, you know, Taiwanese TV or, or Hong Kong TV yeah. for, for two weeks. <laughs> you see, like takeout or take, so, you know delivery or whatever. So, um, yeah, so so definitely no no, no traveling internationally for, for us for, for a while. Um, you know, it makes as a real estate guy though, it, you know, always looking for deals. It makes me then wonder whether you know real estate prices in cities like Hong Kong and other places that globally have always been very expensive and high. Whether might, you know, we don't invest internationally for our group, but it makes me wonder whether there might be real estate opportunities there in those cities. I
0: don't know. I, I think that those cities are like they're like you know they're, they're sort of like. You know, there's such stores of value, like those big international cities that there might be a little swing here and there, but most people there already have such heavy liquidity that they don't really, they're not really worried about the swing so much. So it's really hard to find like those deals in these big, you know, mega market cities like Hong Kong or London or New York. I mean, you don't, you get a little bit of it, but it's not that heavy because people just, they're not really, you're not really riding the swings. Yeah.
1: And I guess we, we experienced the same thing here in the United States. We haven't really seen like huge like fire sale deals yeah. that are great opportunities. We've seen a, a couple, but very yeah. few. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we, and we, we were just talking about, well, I guess, one of the interesting things I, I heard over the weekend about a property that sold is a property I visited many times on the way to Las Vegas, because we, we have properties in Las Vegas. When you drive from California to Las Vegas, um, there's a little town right right over the border called Prim. And there's this big fashion out. It used to be called the Fashion Outlet Mall of of, of uh Prim. Um, and and it was uh, basically foreclosed on and did an auction sale and, you know, basically they they said that the net liquidation proceeds were approximately four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So so which is a crazy price because this is a, I don't even know how many square feet at least. Few hundred thousand oh, square feet. well over well over a few hundred thousand, thousand square feet, and, and like so pretty I, high in retail. And it's got high, yeah. It's got Armani and Nike and, and, and all pores, the stores and and, like the whole, you know. and, for, and and for me, I remember stopping there multiple times. It's just one of those places you stop to get some gas and get some food and do a bathroom break on your yeah. way on your way to or back. A little bit. Yeah, and you peek around, maybe buy but you know you're still that is, I need that. Yeah, you still not know, shopped out. Yeah, and buy a couple of T-shirts or, or, right. or polos or something, and so. You know that that's an amazing uh, number. Uh, you know, four hundred thousand, and uh, I think at one point it was valued at over a hundred million dollars. Hundred thirty
0: or something. Yeah.
1: Like that. So, I you know it's it's just amazing how just with the change of times that uh, you know with uh, something like the pandemic can really crush the value of an asset. Well, like it's that. also
0: like the, just to give like our our listeners, it's it was a deal in a in a fund which was really mostly all CMBS loans. Which are chronically which are notoriously hard to get these deals done, yeah. and it was with a lender named Rialto, who's like pretty large in the space. So, to for them to sell at that much discount means they were there was like a very painful opex or some other number being written on a monthly basis. This was a painful yeah, deal yeah. for them.
1: For them to just value that. Real estate. Just, and I mean, write it down so much. Yeah, to, to, to pay either 400000 or some numbers that actually it really was a negligible one, number. 1. $1.5 which is a negligible number when you look at the, the size of this, this Alton wall, uh, is, is amazing. But what that means is there must be an operating expense number just because all the stores are open. I've, I, I think I've seen it during the pandemic at yeah. one point. I think I drove to Vegas, I passed by it, and I remember some of the stores. Uh, the mall portion of it, you know, there's a food court and other things it's like that too. It's open air too, too that, that, Yeah, parts of it open air. Yeah. And so that part was closed and weren't as active, but most of the stores were, were pretty open, or at least trying to, you know, operate the retail environment. Um, but for it to just, you know, sell something like that for like a million five, like there must just be like the operating expenses just to own it. The rent must not cover it. and So there must be some carrying costs that, you know, forced forced them to sell it for so There must well. be
0: some huge carrying costs to this
1: but it's interesting, too, because I, I read, I guess, Carl Icahn was the guy who bought yeah. into this trust to the, to, fun, yeah. to the fund that, that basically is a pool of loans and properties that they're shorting against the betting that, that they're, they're going to fail and they, they buy it, uh, you know, pennies on the dollar. So, uh, but that's one of the few, you know, fairly, you know, decent piece from a pure physical standpoint of real estate. Yeah. You know, that's not a bad piece of real estate. And it's, you know, and it's, it's one of those, you know, like, I don't know what you call it. I don't know if there's a term for it. Kind of locational experience McBurians. real estate but it's you know it's just like the mcdonald's on you know i'm from the east coast you know, the to rest stop rest stop yeah you, you you drive to atlantic city there's only one you know garden state turnpike yeah and you and you always pass the same mcdonald's and every and it's 24 hours and there's always a million people in there you know and, and you know you're getting gas too and you're getting food you know because it's mcdonald's and you know what you're getting and so this is like one of those places for the, the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people that normally travel from l.a. To, to, and then San Diego to um, Las Vegas. This is this is the road, and you know, everyone always passes by. So, for it to sell for a headline number of like a four hundred thousand is, is uh, pretty incredible. It's pretty
0: incredible. Well, yeah, and there's more to this number. And as if we get some stuff, we'll definitely share. But it, it's an incredible number um, to, to see. It's probably one of the biggest distressing I've seen since this pandemic started yeah. over a year ago. Um, at least biggest write downs I've seen. All right. Um, let's move on here so you know i just going back to florida i think one of the things that i noticed there was and we know we touched on this a little bit last week but there's definitely there was definitely two i've been in miami so many times over the last 10 years or so but there was two types of people that i saw there that were sort of interesting one was there was this like younger class of people that was just there because they wanted to travel. They knew Miami was open. They knew they could party in Miami, and they just got a flight or however Co- they got college there. age kids, college age, and they had some, 20s. you know, they had some disposable income, and or they didn't really have it. They just want to be in that scene, and it was okay. like I want to be on Ocean Drive or in South Beach. I'm just hang out. I don't need okay. to necessarily be in this like the Miami
1: vibe. Yeah, Miami the Miami. Vibe. I just
0: want to be in the Miami vibe, and they were just there, and they were like, you know, um, all walks of life. Um, And then there was this other part, which probably resonates more with me. There was groups of people that wanted that too, but were like, okay, I'm going to stay in a nice hotel, I'm going to stay in a nice place, and some of them, and I'm I'm sort of in this category, though realistically not, that were basically saying, you know, I'm coming from a state that was closed, like New York or Los Angeles, or something that was generally blue and closed, and now you've like allowed me to be open, and this is pretty nice. And so then I realized, I kind of looked into this a little bit, and basically, before the pandemic, Miami, or Florida in general, had basically was getting 1,000 new residents per day. Mm-hmm. So roughly, you know, 300,000 people mm-hmm. or whatever uh, per year, right? And now that number is 3,000. And oh, wow. I think that 3,000, that number, like California has become a net. We've become a net negative on migration. And mm-hmm. Florida has become a way net positive migration. A lot of those people are like what we've sort of been talking about. They're just like, listen, if you're going to take all these taxes and you're going to do all this stuff to me, mm-hmm. and then you're going to tell me what I should be doing, what I should not be doing, now I, I will just choose to vote my, with my feet, and I'm out. Like, I'm not coming back to New York and shoveling snow. I'm not going back to Ohio and, you know, I don't care what the chat the cost of housing is a little cheaper. I don't care about all those things. I'm out, and I'm gonna, you know I don't care. Uh, it doesn't make a difference to me, and so that that's where you've seen like the, as hot as our market is here in Los Angeles and other coastal markets. That market's even hotter because there's just that migration has just gone three x, mm-hmm. and it's well, people that have like. There a there's some quality of life things. There's some cost of living things, but a lot of it also is just like. I have resources, you know, I'm not going to tell me what I need, what I should and not, should not be doing for myself.
1: Well, it's interesting, I think also the hotel rates, at least I hear, in Miami oh, yeah. are, are, are sort of But those of are above. people that are going to leave eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but those hotel rates are so high Yeah. which is probably one of the highest in the country. Yeah, yeah, super high. And But let me ask you this though, you say about the two different types of people. What about uh, people with families? So I, I get it, maybe there's some empty mess, you know, the stereotype. Cause you know Miami's a little different too, cause, yeah. You know, it's Miami. Yeah. I can see families going to Orlando because because of mm-hmm. Disney World and all that, but were well, there are a lot of families? In I Miami. Th-
0: so there were families at the hotel we were at, and as we got more into South Beach, there were less. At least we didn't we didn't spend that much like non daytime mm-hmm. time there. My guess is there were less because those are not okay. really family friendly areas. They're nightclubs. So the
1: people that you're saying about that were that yes. that want to leave or kind of. Like, well like, I don't know like of the, like the bankers that we know, that. know who who, yeah. are, who, are, who might who might have, might been have kids there. or yeah. might have older kids yeah I mean <laughs> the, the people the there.
0: people that have left they're generally not in South Beach
1: okay
0: the, the people that have you know decided to leave New York or or you know Connecticut or wherever or California they're not living in South Beach they're generally living elsewhere they're living North Miami Beach or
1: but they're outside of they're outside Miami, of, outside of South, America, Beach. South, Beach. South Beach okay Okay. So where I would,
0: they're generally they're only there on occasion, okay, like for a dinner. Or but that's lunch not that
1: far. But it's uh, not far. I, I, yeah, I've not been to South Beach, so I don't know. So, no, it's so is not that far. it's not that far. It's still part of that Miami yeah. Metro, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like it's like basically going from you know downtown LA, would, you know, to like would be like the northernmost part of Miami Beach, and then going to South Beach would be like Culver City.
1: Oh, so that's not really. Or even,
0: far. or even like maybe a little more further west, like Ply Vista or something like that.
1: Not okay. even all the way. So, up so it really ago. is the metro. So it's not even. It's not even like I was thinking you were about to say. It's like going down to Long Beach. No.
0: It's a, it's no, because further. it's all there's not the, the the real the reality of it is it, Miami Beach itself is all, it's either mostly re, it's mostly it's either residential and then the beachfront stuff is mostly either condos or hotels. Hmm. There's no real office activity there. Very little.
1: Okay.
0: So it's not really a business hub. Businesses tend to be in, my, you know, downtown Miami or Brickell. Anyways, but it, it just most of the people we're finding were like that we met that had moved there were, you know, just got tired of wherever yeah. they were living, and that yeah. you know, and, I, and that number of three thousand, is a big number.
1: Yeah, that's a big number. I mean, I definitely could see the younger kids going there. Younger you know, families. families. Yeah, yeah. But but interesting, interesting. Well, we're moving, you know. As I keep saying you know, on each podcast, we're getting closer. Uh, da- uh, we keep moving down the path of the road to, to pre-pandemic normalcy and and, and reopening. June fifteenth is, is you know fifteen days away, fourteen days away now. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, you know, I did this weekend. Lift off, lift off, California. Just, just to finally, get, of to finally get there. <laughs> um, you know, I I actually spent the uh, t- I actually went to a casino this weekend. Wow! <laughs> and so played a little poker, and I was curious to see. You know, you know, what, what they were doing is the poker rooms in California used to be outdoors because you couldn't go indoors because of all the COVID restrictions. But now that we're in this last restrictive tier, I was curious and, you know, it's Memorial Day okay. weekend. And uh, it's interesting because it was indoors, but it was uh, with some COVID restrictions too. kind of the opposite of Las Vegas from what I heard. You know, in the, in the tables, you still had all these plastic partitions and they, they still took your temperature before you went in. And uh, and uh, made me unmask so they could uh, snap my photo if something happened. Uh, they don't take any vaccine cards or <laughs> passports. You still had to do that. I was curious. I asked that question actually. And um, you know, and then at the tables, everyone had to wear masks still. Oh, and wow. And more importantly, a little bit of annoyance was was uh, one of the things when I when you play poker or you gamble at these tables. You used to be able to order food. Ah. You used to eat on little tray tables oh, yeah. while you play. And so you're they, a little hungry, yeah, Or even just drink a bottle of water. And now you're not allowed to have any food or beverages at all. Oh my still. Goodness. That's still restricting that. And so you to get some food you have to actually take a break from the gambling and, and go order <laughs> the food and then you can either eat it outdoor in the outdoor area that's now uh, still tented and outdoors where they used to have the tables, but they just have regular tables to sit there. You can sit outside by yourself and eat or, or with your friends, or you can go upstairs to the little lounge yeah, I've and, heard and, this. And, eat, and eat. And so, and they give you a little 30 minutes <laughs> to eat. Yeah, so your I, guess, meal.
0: I guess, in some ways, I haven't given my mean of credit because if you're on this, if you're not so w- afraid, if you're not worried about COVID that much, or you're vaccinated, whatever. Then like Miami is basically back to nineteen. There's no sanitation. There's yeah. no you like most like I realized this on Sunday. We were we were going to a restaurant and, like the, all the bars closed. I can't yeah. sit there. Whereas like Miami, you can just sit wherever you want. Yeah. You can sit next to somebody if you want. There's no like dividers. There's no masks. There's there's it is two thousand nineteen. What you can remember of two thousand nineteen yeah. is what Miami is. Yeah. And everything here is just like I realized like I was like damn you can't really do shit here. Yeah. Like you just can't do anything here. Yeah. It's just annoying. Like I'm. I'm going to the Dodger game tonight. I'm actually highly curious. We're in a suite. And I've heard these suites, like you can't even like you're supposed to have your Wait, wait, are you supposed to have a vaccination
1: or tests to get it? I don't, know. I'm going the I don't <laughs> think they're making do anything. Oh, but whatever. But that... I
0: mean i saying like I think you have to have like you can't even have like drinks and you're supposed to even have the mask inside. Wait, hey. so there's
1: no drinks or food in the suite? I
0: don't think so. I don't know. I, I mean, no, I'll, this will... This will well, I can, t-
1: I can tell you about the Laker <laughs> experience. Cause I, I, I know the Laker
0: experience, but go ahead. Share cause, cause
1: my I didn't go that time, but I, my friend went, and he was, he's got these season tickets. And when was it? Uh, he just went a, uh, a week ago, last week. Okay, so okay, he, this he is pretty to playoff He okay. went to playoff okay. game. Okay, got it. And so you either have to be, you know, show proof of vaccination, or you have to show... Uh, Proof of a negative test within, I think it's like forty-eight to seventy-two hours. Oh wow! And so, but what's interesting too, which he liked this actually because it it worked to his advantage. They've now, uh, in the seats, they've actually segregated you into the people who had the tests but are not vaccinated, and you sit with all you all the (laughs) you all the unvaccinated folks. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you're vaccinated, then you sit with the vaccinated folks. And the uh, vaccinated folks, actually, he got to be put a little closer to the floor. So oh, he was all nice. excited. Not bad. He got, he got closer to the, to the floor. For the same price ticket. For the same price ticket. Oh, I see. And so and it was a playoff, playoff game, so he was uh he was very he was very excited. So but I, I in all situations, no food or beverages at at your seats. You have to go outside into the uh, sort of outside area, concourse area. Um, and then there's a little, you know, the snack bar and the and the bars, and that's where you get your libations and your and your, and your so snacks. You, but you cannot so so take it back the, to the seats. You cannot take it back to your seats. Uh, so that part messes up the experience for me. Yes, yeah, totally Because otherwise, you're just kind of just sitting there watching. And well, I get it. You're closer, and there's there, there's a little more ambience because it's playoffs and fans are cheering, so it's a little better than, than an empty stadium and you got little cardboard people. Yeah, I guess a people little there. Bit. But uh, but it's just every different. But baseball, actually, but baseball. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do, cause, cause you're outdoors, right? So, so, so well, baseball, that? yeah. Yeah, so you're well, an outdoor yeah, stadiums. So, so, so they may not restrict you as much. Well, here in California,
0: I mean, <laughs> I just, I have this Miami hangover now. Now, now more I think about these things,
1: yes. uh, Miami hangovers. Yeah,
0: <laughs> was, I have a behavioral Miami hangover. Um, all right, so we talked about a little bit about the. It, it, the rush of people to Florida, um, you know, I think one thing that we we've talked we talked very early about was like this home market on fire, and I think that's still going to be happening. I've had a few people ask me over the last week or so, um, and and my general opinion, I'd love to hear yours, is like I don't I think the fundamentals are just too strong still for it to change. Like there's no like. People say, "Well, when is the crash going to happen?" And I'm like, "I don't know if the crash is going to happen."
1: Well, wait—you mean the home market on fire, being like pricing is so high? Will for just demand? People to i think overall, both in both those areas, I think I agree. I think it will continue to be on fire because unlike last time, it's not like in, in two, thousand eight, you had all these aggressive Wall Street loans made because the. They were all packaged into bonds and things and, and so you were kind of passing off the risk to other investors. it's the financing wasn't, you know, overdone this this time around. Yeah. So it's not like uh, there's 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 like bad debt out there that's gonna crash. Yeah and burn. while there is some like maybe the prim situations yeah. and you'll have some retail that'll that'll go down. But fundamentally, it's in the housing market and in the the apartments, the the you know, those those assets are you know they're still collecting rents. It's not like they're going to zero percent, uh, you know, vacancy and and zero percent rent yeah. collections.
0: but it, I'm seeing on the on the home, uh, single family market, because like, that's really what most of like we talked about this like back in January, February. Yeah. we were probably a little ahead of things, and our thing was like it's all set up to have this explosion, which has now sort of happened. Yeah, and people have said to me, hey, when is this gonna have this, you know? When is, it, when is the price going to, like, drop? When, it, when are things going to, you know, fall off a cliff? And the more I look at it, the more I think, I don't know if they're going to fall off a cliff for a while. Because, you know, if you look at just a few kind of very baseline ideas, is one is in normal decades, there's generally a 20 million homes brought, built in a normal U.S. decade. There's In a normal year, you have 2 million home starts. And in this past decade, mostly because of the 08 recession, you only had, like, 5 million homes yeah. built. Most of that... Home building went into apartment building. So the young folks that were like in homes, or really kids that were in homes whose parents got got basically foreclosed on, were like, We're out. We don't want homes anymore. And Lenar and all these folks were like, Well, we're out too then. We're just going to start building apartments. And so they've been like, Apartments are like crazy, but home building has gone like record lows. And so they're saying that reality is like, You won't get back to that two million home starts for at least another year or two. And so for the short term as long as the interest rates are low and even if they go a little higher most people that want to buy homes aren't really going to be able to buy homes yeah
1: well i think to answer your question i, I think it will continue and and the other phenomenon and we've touched on this before is the, that new development of this new asset class called the single family rentals you know Maybe. people can't afford the homes and that that market of people building now to rent is exploding and it's projected to continue to explode um, it's interesting, I actually did see a CBR report that says in 2021 they still expect a, co- uh, co- uh, a commercial development boom happening, notwithstanding that lumber has basically tripled <laughs> in prices. And one of the things actually that, that they're complaining about is is because of all this demand and, and shortage of materials, When and, and the shortage of materials is... is, is is uh, also compounded by you know also shipping delays and different things. And one of the things they've actually been complaining about is the U.S. Commerce Department. They want them to reduce their tariffs. And apparently, there's a, a expensive t- almost double, that they just they're proposing double the tariffs on Canadian lumber, and and all the National Association of Homebuilders is is uh, strongly against it. And, and you know. Filing protests and different things, and they're saying, you know, you know, especially at a time like this when, when um, you know, there's so much demand and we have no materials, and and, and there's such, you know, people want to buy houses or yeah. rent houses and or build apartments, and so um, the CBRE report is saying, like, you know, people are just going to continue to do that, and and there'll be more construction. They said it's interesting. They said some developers, while well, some developers may be putting projects on hold. Most developers are just adding twenty percent more to their budget. Yeah. To to deal with these higher costs. So I think they, I think most are in that sector. I think that, that that that, you know, that that sector being on fire will continue. I don't think it's gonna slow down for a while. At least not for a while. I don't think so. So it's much more supply. Well speak, so
0: speaking of which I'll, we we should do our, our numbers and items of the week. Sure. <laughs> um so my numbers actually kind of correlate to that is that the the cost of building a single family home Versus a multi-family home, it, specifically the lumber side is actually three times. You're going to use three times the amount of lumber in a single-family home as you would a multifamily. multi-family. you're sharing walls, smaller unit, but you're also going to use just a substantially amount more amount of just all materials because the size of the units bigger. You have more utilities. you you know there's just more cost to it. But even with that said, I think most developers are going to say even with that three x cost, time to just build. Yeah. And so I think that what what the what that number says today is it's three times the cost, and that probably stays that way for a while. But there's going to be another surge of, like, how right now where we're getting surges in, like, Amazon hires and other types of hires. You're going to see another surge in construction hiring towards the later half of this year.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I, th- I think that's true. I think – and I think that – There'll be demand either way for these houses it's either going to be home buyers yeah people who, 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 who will get a little high rent or renters and and there'll be real estate investors who will build these yeah. to rent so i think um so i think it'll it'll continue um my number um is 300 million going, going back a little bit to our maybe we talk a little too much about COVID, but one of the things i found interesting um, i learned about um, yesterday was um the 300 million represents the number of um, smelling olfactory sensors that dogs have. Oh. No. And one of the things that
0: well, how many do the human have?
1: The human has six million. Oh wow. And, and so, so significantly more in dogs, which is why Jesus. dogs are used to smell, smell drugs everything. and things. And, <laughs> and uh, there was a scientist in Thailand who used to work for Chevron, who was piloting a program, worked a lot with dogs to basically detect um, drugs and he was using it to, to check on employees to see if they're violating their drug policies uh, for, for, the, for the Chevron company. And so he, he explored the idea about can you use dogs to test for COVID? And for poorer countries such as Thailand, um, he found that actually dogs, their, their accuracy to detect COVID is about 96% accurate, which is much more better than even the the top, you know, PCR tests that we use. And it's a lot cheaper, too, to to hire, you know, dogs about $2,000 and it costs you about 75 cents per test. And basically, um, which I didn't realize this. They just (laughs) sniff around. And I didn't realize this. I guess when the COVID virus hits and it attacks your trachea and your lungs, um, our body secretes some some minuscule amounts of, of some kind of odor. And these dogs can be trained to detect this. And so for... At least for for uh, poorer countries or developing countries, this is a, 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 a more uh, cheaper way, a so economical cheaper. way to, to detect COVID.
0: Well, I've heard I've heard the, the the analogy somebody said was that when a, when you have COVID to these dogs, it is the same. It is like a smell like meat on a grill for a human, like that distinct that's, smell of meat on a grill, even for us vegetarians here. Like it, it is a very distinct, very you know, big smell, yeah. and that is what this COVID test smelling dog smells yeah. on you, sort of. It's Which like just shows
1: a, you the power of 300 yeah, million yeah. versus 6 million it's, it's like a very big smell. <laughs>
0: um, that's very interesting. I mean, actually, like, just and a an side note is, like, that, to your point, these Asian, these, a lot of these poor countries, that's really I, the short-term way out, or even yeah. maybe long. Because it, it's going to be impossible to get all these countries vaccinated. Like, there's just not that much dosage, I don't yeah. think, ever. Or maybe there will be, I don't know, but that's a very, yeah. like, you can do that time and time again and, and yeah. really kind of as we get further along, that yeah. seems like a much more possible Yeah, There would have to
1: be a multiple uh, exponential expansion of vaccine production to, to, to basically, to, I think we were you and I were trying to figure out the map. If We've got 8 billion people on this planet to try to vaccinate everyone. You know, that, that capacity, even if you allow IP and things to be transferred to other manufacturing companies, it's still going to take a while to gear up to be able to produce that much. Yeah. So that that's not a feasible solution necessarily for, for, for developing countries completely.
0: All right. Um, I got two more for you. I'm going to go uh, back and, well, I'll give you the first one is my interesting content of the week is, so I started listening a few weeks ago to the New York Times book review. It's a podcast, a weekly podcast. And it basically gets like some of the New York Times reviewers, critics, and they talk about a certain book that they've all read and reviewed, like it might be Obama's memoir or something like that. And then they'll talk about other books they've read. And, and two, so really, I started listening to it, and I, and I was like, I, I sort of liked it, so I subscribed. And what I realized was that I like two things about this podcast. One, it's completely different than all the other stuff I listen to. So most of which is like sports, business, real estate. Maybe a couple other topics. And then this is just like completely esoteric, different books and everything. And then two, I used to be like a very, I used to be a very like heavy reader. I used to be like a 30, 40 book a year type of reader. And now I don't read anything. So it reminds me of a a lost part of my life where I used to be like a heavy reader. And and so it's like, it's It's like the cliff notes. Like a a cliff notes, I was going to say. It's
1: like the cliff notes. (laughs) So
0: the New York Times Book Review, it's a good podcast. Uh, It's like an hour every Saturday or something. You can listen on 2x speed, it's good.
1: Well, let me ask you this: So when you listen to that, does that then make you want to then read the actual book?
0: I thought it would, but it actually doesn't. I was <laughs> like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> like then it, one One was like, it uh, was like this really interesting thing. It was like this, you know, Obama was talking about his memoir. And for like, a, they would, when they, when him and Michelle would have dinner in the presidential dining room, they would basically, you know, tell the, Staffers, were are African American. Hey, you know, you don't have to wear a tuxedo. That's like a part of you know, old America. We don't want to take with us. Mm-hmm. And they were telling them for like weeks and dinners and dinners. And finally, the, one of the guys said to him, he said, "You know, listen, I know you don't need us to wear this, but we would hate for us to not be able to serve you like how we serve all the previous presidents." Oh, that's and I was like, like a very like thoughtful thing, you know. I, 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 so that was good. Now I've got the memoir down. <laughs> Look, I get it. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, so I no, I, I am not I haven't bought body books recently, so but I like the Because I don't I like think podcasts. I would be able to do that.
1: If I if if, if, I, like I, the if I if I read, if I read the, uh, the you know the book reviews like yeah I don't think I would actually read the books unless there was something so fascinating. <laughs> I was very fascinating. This little Obama story is very fascinating. I was yeah. like, I wonder how many more there are.
0: And they're like, ah, I kinda get it. Oh well, maybe I'll do it, I don't know. Go ahead. Do you have any content this week? Anything striking? Uh, my anything only content
1: which which dates me a little bit is is what I found yeah. interesting is, is um, James Bond movies, which ah. I used to watch a lot when I was growing up. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, MGM Holdings actually uh, produces them, and, and uh, but they're actually controlled by this um, one family of one of the producers, Albert Broccoli's ears. And it, anyway, Amazon just just agreed to buy MGM Holdings um, for $6.5 billion. And, you know, I've been waiting for the next Bond movie to come out, and so I found this interesting just because, you know... It's just another example, you know, people, or at least companies like Amazon, you know, need content because uh, they're trying to boost, you know, the content on Prime videos, which, 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 which I'm a member of. And, you know, when you look at the comparison, like Netflix, which is also buying, but they're also spending a lot of money producing things. And, and I guess Amazon has a few Amazon movies and specials and things, but I guess they're sort of taking an easier way out because they have so much, so much more uh, money, I think, than Netflix. Um, from, from their pr- profits that, you know, they're just buying, you know, uh, companies with content. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of how certain real estate players, you know, they have the capital like the Blackstones. That's, that's, who, that's you I'm talking about, Blackstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, who could just go out and just, you know, buy, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 apartments in one shot and kind of do what would take us, you know, 10 years <laughs> to do yeah. or, or, or a year or two to, to, to cobble together. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of shows you the power of having capital.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing like how, how these guys have been able to leverage up their capital and, and use it to buy like a whole franchise. And you'll see more of that, I think, as we get further along. You're just going to see that these these entertainment products are more and more commoditized. So um, so I have one upgrade this week. Uh, I go to the LA Athletic Club here next to our office, and for the past 15 months the locker room's been closed. It opened last week. I finally got to go to it, and it's, it's interesting because it's like that just opening of that locker room literally saves me about an hour per work day. Then I have to go run home and shower. And so it's like I'm going to be here four or five more hours this week. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a net positive. But Wait, there. So is, the
1: gym was open, but the, the locker, gym, room, but was locker room
0: wasn't. Okay. And it's all enclosed. I mean, there's okay. windows and stuff. I don't know. But what's interesting is, is they were so like particular about opening parts of the gym you have to have your mask on and locker room is just like Miami it's like masks off it's like you know how are you gonna shower with a mask on like so so it's like but what's interesting is like I would have thought like they would have been very cautious about the steam room and sauna because even like you know it's, you know I, I'm pretty open about these things but that's the one spot pretty close like you know COVID could live there for a little while but uh, I don't know it's all open there doesn't seem to be any issues so it. it's nowhere near that the, the you know, as, as uh, frequented as it was, you know, pre-COVID. But it was interesting to see that they had no qualms on that one. Are, that are, they, doing, are they
1: doing any extra cleaning?
0: Or in, I'm the, sure they, they are. Did they I, say, I, no, you, they haven't told you anything like that. No, I, I think they are. I think they are. I think there's, like, more cleaning going on, for sure.
1: Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned your gym. So so I actually went to the gym. Oh, of your week. <laughs> for Look at you. <laughs> this, this weekend, because I've, I've been meaning to work out at home, which was sort of doing during the pandemic. But, I, but I've been get, I noticing in my credit card, I keep getting charged by 24 by Hour Fitness, so I decided, you know what, why well, don't I just go to gym? There you and, go. Plus it's a little easier, some of the devices, yeah. I, I was getting lazy, I don't want to keep changing the weights, on <laughs> the plates at home. And so I said, let me just go, there's machines, Seek there's things out. there, so, I could, so, so what was interesting, what I found out was originally, I guess, you used to have to make appointments and things. And now 24 Hour Fitness is no more appointments, just show up and do your workout. And so I went, 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 went but I had to wear a mask. Yeah. Because it's California. And it was interesting, you know, wasn't that crowded? A little, little better spacing between machines. Um, you know, they did have a lot of sanitizer and, and disinfectant. A lot of sanitizer, and, and, you know, yes. and I, and I do confess, after a particularly sweaty-looking individual finished using a machine that I wanted to use, I did, I did spray it down. You to spray it down. <laughs> Sprayed it down, and then I worked out. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that's it was a That week. was my upgrade to the of Yeah, there Back to, Back to the gym.
0: All right, folks, these episodes keep getting a little bit longer each time. Thank you, everyone. I hope you're, uh, you have a fantastic yeah. June. They say the market has never mm-hmm. gone down in June, so we'll watch for that. Uh, we will be in San Diego at our first conference in 16 months. Yeah. So that should be it's interesting. Please find us. We have a table there. We'd love to see you. And if you have any questions, please uh, reach out on pod at GoodLifeHP and continue to subscribe and rate us on all of the different podcast servers. And David Pong, final words?
1: Just uh, be safe and get vaccinated, everyone.
0: See you in San Diego.